Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Five Star Podcast, a podcast from two guys who are willing to do any job if the pay is right and it's legal, and who sometimes watch movies. I am Ryan Hurley, and I am here with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolf Cool is here. Um, excited to be here. Excited to talk about blood simple. You're gone blood simple, Hurls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know it. <laughs> first uh, first movie from the Coen brothers. Um, just a real treat this week. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, but first, what have you been watching lately, Wolf? So I've kind of turned this segment into like what 2020 releases have I watched in the last week? And it always seems to be one or two. So this week I watched Unpregnant, a movie about it's it's an it's a it's a movie about Haley Lee Richardson basically travels with Barbie Ferreira to go get an abortion because she's underage and she has to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico from Missouri. And it's a really good road trip movie. I love I'll watch anything with Haley Lou. Love her. And it was cool to see Barbie Ferreira do something outside of uh Euphoria. So that's a really fun movie. Um it's like I think I saw someone on Letterboxd like call it a combination of uh, Booksmart and Never Really, Sometimes Always, which uh, I think really works. That's what it was sounding like to me when you were describing it. I was like, oh, okay, a little bit lighter, a little bit easier to digest. Never yeah, Really, the, Sometimes Always. Yeah, Never Really, Sometimes Always is very good though if you get the chance to see that. But I'm Pregnant was a little like was a little slow for a movie that I think should have been really fast. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Giancarlo Esposito's in it like a quarter, uh, like three quarters of the way through, which was awesome. And then, always, uh, always good to see Gus from, from Breaking Bad. I love that guy. I love just like watching him in movies. He's such a good actor. I, think, then, he's, I think it's impossible for him to be bad in a movie. I can't even think of an example of him not <laughs> being like, man, he's not, like an example of me not even being like, well, he's just always great. Like even in uh even in the Jungle Book, I didn't know it was him most of the time, but I was like, ah, he did a good job as the uh, he's like the leader of the is it like wolves that raise raise Mowgli? I can't remember much about that movie anymore. No idea. It's been too long. It's a good movie though. It's a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I watched the sequel to The Babysitter, and I watched The Babysitter Killer Queen. I liked The Babysitter, and. Uh, Babysitter Killer Queen is like the type of horror I don't like, where it's like, <laughs> it's like spirits, like they made everything like spiritual and demonic. And it was like, you know, the first Babysitter was good because it's basically just like a home invasion movie mm-hmm. with like some like deem like some demonic like undertones, but like they were undertones instead of this time they were like really in your face about it. But uh, it had a little bit of the charm that the babysitter had, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a horrible watch, but it wasn't great. They must have just gotten they 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 must have gotten money to do the the sequel, and we're like, shit, I've got nowhere to go. They I have no third. idea where to go. They flat, really they okay. flat out like they had like a scene, a little bit like a like a little bit into the credits, and uh, yeah, they set up a third. I will watch. Don't worry, I'm I'm absolutely going to watch, but. Uh, Great, a third one. Netflix, baby. I didn't, I didn't realize the Netflix did mid credits uh, scenes. They're stealing out of Marvel's playbook. I'm trying to think of another movie recently that had like a post credit scene. 
Oh, any given Sunday has a post credit scene. And it's actually kind of hilarious. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> I've seen parts of it. I've seen uh, I've seen Jamie Foxx rapping. I've seen uh, I've seen uh, Lawrence Taylor going back out onto the field after like breaking his neck or whatever, or with oh, a neck God. fracture. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen Pacino's speech. It's a good speech. That movie, like watching it now. I don't even, like, blink about the, like, uh, you know, ferocity of, like, the NFL. But apparently, in the, like, in 1999, when it came out, people were, like, the NFL was, like, pissed about it. And it was, like, <laughs> surprising to see it that violent. But, like, that's just, like, kind of what we know now. It sort of makes me think about, do you remember uh, this, the game for, like, PlayStation and, and Xbox way back when? That was uh, it was called like NFL the Blitz or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it kind of like makes me think about that. It's like the NFL Blitz version of a, of a sports movie. <laughs> I don't li- I don't really like that movie either. I'll be honest. But what have you been watching lately? So um, I piled in the car and I I drove to the drive-in theater and I was able to catch Tenet, which hmm. uh, was fun. Uh, I think watching it in the drive-in actually helped me understand some of what people were saying because i had like i was just incredibly close to the to the speakers uh with that being said though uh the dialogue doesn't really illuminate much like it doesn't make things make more sense but um i didn't really mind it i just had a lot of fun i um i thought robert pattinson and john david washington were a lot of fun together the action was really cool looking um and we didn't have too much like speechifying about like the themes of the movie. So that kind of helped me just stay into the movie a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. People really like moan and groaned about the, uh, like the, like the, like the sound. It wasn't good, but like, I don't know. What, I, again, like, I don't know what people thought. Like they weren't entering this movie. Like, I don't, I don't know why people suddenly were thinking like, no one was going to like give any amount of fucks about the dialogue of this movie. Yeah, like he's he does this all the time, right? Like, why why are people like suddenly surprised about it now? <laughs> I'm glad you did. You think the plot was like, like, could you follow it at least like enough to not be like, oh, the plot didn't make any sense, or were or were you like kind of one of the people who were like, you know, the plot didn't make sense, so like I don't really like the movie. I so I was able to follow it much in the way that like, um, we've had this conversation about noir movies a lot where I don't necessarily know the specific mechanics of why such and such is going to a specific place, but I do like understand enough of like, we need to go here to, to make sure nothing bad happens basically. And so like, I was able to follow it enough in that way was my like comprehension of every scene. Perfect on like the mechanics of what was going on. Not at all, but like it was enough for me at least to like stay locked into the movie. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it though. It's uh it was fun. Like that's a really fun movie. I've like I I've I've definitely like I've seen a lot of movies since then, so I've definitely I've but I've still thought about that movie. Like I still like every once in a while I'm like what were they doing in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I know uh when we spoiler alert here. I know I know when we left the drive-in um I was like slightly confused thinking that Robert Pattinson was um, uh, Elizabeth Debicki's son just from the future and then 
I had to look up his name and I was like, oh wait, no, the kid's name is different than the, than his, like little things like that slipped through the cracks, but it was just fun seeing a new movie, like in a theater, quote yeah, unquote. That's fun. I haven't done any uh, drive-ins yet because they're really, like they're really expensive in like Wisconsin. It's like $36 huh. for a car. And I'm like, wow. I'm like there are two of us in this car. I'm not, no, <laughs> absolutely not. See, like that's insane to me because they're way cheaper out here. Like, uh, especially because it's, so it's te- it was $10 for a whole car. Um, and then obviously like beforehand, I just went to Seven Eleven and got snacks and a drink. So then I wasn't paying for snacks either. And so like, it was kind of this perfect storm of like, I spent, I spent less on like an entire car of people than I would like just on one ticket for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, that's, I just haven't been able to like, I'm not like, I'm not going to do that. That is a, a horrible investment. Especially cause it's like kind of a compromised way of viewing the movie. You can't really like see as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That would make sense. Like I, I think you're, I think the like in theater experience is still, still way better. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love I love the in theater experience. I didn't go last week. Nothing to see. Nothing really to see right now. Yeah, we're still in that dead zone, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Netflix releases and Tenet. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> then I, I also yesterday I watched um yesterday I watched uh Dog Day Afternoon, which I think we talked a little bit about on here um when you watched it and uh God, just such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh Got to reiterate that. Just so good. I, I had a ton of fun watching the movie. Really great movie. I, I you know, it's uh, it's definitely a classic. Uh, it's, you know, it's great. It's like great Pacino. And it's just a movie. It's like a great bank robbery movie. It's like probably. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the worst heist, but it's like a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it's probably better that they're like bad at the heist in a sense, because the movie finds a way to like be funny because of that. And like, it almost engendered, like, I like how the, the people in the bank robbery basically start becoming friends with the bank robbers. Oh yeah. And like, like, I think that that's awesome. And I, I love that sort of like little twist to this as opposed to like, I didn't want to see like a fully serious version of this where he's like on crowd control with the people all the time. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Got to like have fun with more personalities. Oh, there's a lot of personality in that movie. We will um, couch the discussion of Dog Day Afternoon now, though, and we will start heading towards Blood Simple. Our quick question ties into this. What is your quick question, Wolf? What is your favorite Coen Brothers movie? I provided a list of their filmography pulled from IMDb, and I got rid of all their shorts, and there's some movie called Perry J. Taime, which is like a bunch of people together, so I didn't really include yeah. that. Yeah, that one I don't count. There's so there's so many there's so many good ones in here. Um like we just we just talked about No Country uh last week and like goddamn is that amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, d- I don't know what direction you're gonna go in, so I'm not gonna say too many. I'm choosing the Big Lebowski. I fucking love the Big Lebowski. I think it's so good uh, as just like a straight up movie and then uh, as like a noir and then you've got all the comedy added on top and you've got 
you know, um, just obviously the rewatchability of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's what makes it my favorite. I, I just, I think it is funny that like now it's become almost like a punchline of like stoner guys and like college bros like the movie, but like, if you watch it, it is so much better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, I love like, the big Lebowski. It's so good. And it was on at like all of our high school gather gatherings, like mm-hmm. <laughs> in high school. It was always on. I don't even feel like I ever watched it when it was on, though. I'm, I'm just remember it being on. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just it was just on the TV. Everybody knew it. Everybody was just like, ah, fine, whatever. But it is so good if you sit and watch it. <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen all of their movies, but I think I've seen enough to form like a good opinion. So I think my favorite is and like always has been Fargo. I mm. Fargo is one of the first movies that I saw where I was like, whoa, like I really like movies. Like you can do this with a movie. You can have like this, like like the characters were so like the Coen brothers have always been very good about having like very relatable characters that like you could meet like on the road and they love putting like normal people in like awful situations and i think that fargo is such a good example of that with like william h macy he's just sewing over his head and people like dying all over the place and pregnant francis mcdormand is so good in that movie and i just love i remember one time someone was like oh what's your favorite movie quote i literally couldn't think of anything so i just went with oh yeah Oh, you betcha. Oh, oh, you betcha. Like, I love, I think think I've seen the movie two or three times, and I just love so much the scene where, like, the guy that, like, used to love Francis McDormand in high school, they get, like, dinner together, and she's, like, so clueless on, like, everything going on. And the whole time he's, like, talking to her, talking to her, and she's just like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you you betcha. Like, the whole time. (laughs) It's that, that scene is so awkward, too. Oh, my God. I, that movie's amazing. That's definitely one of their best ones. I think it's really funny too. Like that one has definitely been co-opted by like a different group of people, though much in the same way as the Big Lebowski. Like a lot of people that overthink the movie will be like, "Look at the cinematic wasteland they've created out of the Midwest with all the snow." And then you're mm-hmm. like watching the movie and you're just like laughing your ass off, and mm-hmm. it's like. Why are people taking this so so seriously? Like this movie is just a, a ton of fun. Every, every time one perfect shot has like the picture of like the parking lot like covered in snow, I yes. will literally always retweet it. It's so good. It's so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> is there any other any other movies that you want to highlight here in their in their filmography? I think I think like they're uh, I don't know. I mean, I love so many. I love all the ones I've seen, like Inside Lou and Davis. I really like True Grit's great. A Serious Man's like hilarious, and that that's just like a really weird, funny <laughs> Cohen brothery movie. I love A Serious Man. It's that's, so good. And then uh, the only one that I'm the, there's like two that I don't like. I wouldn't like die for, and those are Hail Caesar. I don't know about that movie. That movie's kind of weird to me. I didn't really. I don't know if I. I don't know if I like didn't get it, but like. I don't love movies where it's like, did you get it? Like, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot going on in this movie. And then Intolerable Cruelty, I feel like, is, like, decent. Like, I liked it, but, like, I feel like that movie wasn't, like, the best thing they've ever done. Yeah. I feel like Intolerable Cruelty and The Lady Killers are normally, like, those are the two where if somebody has to choose the worst Coen Brothers movie, it's probably one of those two. I don't mind intolerable cruelty though, but no, yeah, much on the same level. 
much on the same level as you of just being like, yeah, it's whatever. Oh, oh brother, where art thou? I think is a real highlight for me too. And then um, uh, raising Arizona and and Miller's Crossing, I like both a lot. Um, Nicholas Cage and raising Arizona is just something to behold. Definitely, definitely like recommend that movie if if anybody hasn't seen it. And I also. Oh, go ahead. No, Sorry. no, no, I just got to say that's that's like been on my list for a while. I keep looking at it on HBO Max. Just like uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so fun. It's just like a good time. John Goodman is is having an absolute blast in that movie. Um, Holly Hunter is amazing, too. I definitely recommend it. It's so it's just hilarious. There's a there's a, a scene where. Nicholas Cage steals diapers from like a, a convenience store and he's like on the run from the cops and it like in weird ways reminds me of the like chase scene in that border town in no country and I just want to like cut the two together <laughs> it, it, it makes me laugh every time I see it though um, we'll move on to their debut feature film though uh, Blood Simple Wolf, what did you think of Blood Simple? Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it was kind of surprised. I expected a movie that like, I was going to be confused about, and, like we were going to have a conversation about like, Oh, are they trying to mess with us or, or is it just like meant to be fun? But like, it's like a very like straight to the chase, uh, noir I felt. And <laughs> I, it was a really fun thriller to like follow along. And you really got to spend time with like four different characters that kind of sort of, it's not a long enough movie to say where I really felt like I totally understood every character, but like I definitely got enough of the gist to have a good time with it. Um, I thought all the performances were like really good, like really understated, really like normal naturalistic like people. And then, yeah, like I just had like, I just had a good time and I'm, I'm like glad we got to watch it. Yeah. I think this is, um, this was a good choice, especially because we were talking about sex lies and videotape a couple weeks ago and it really reminds me of that movie in a lot of ways because it's kind of of the same generation sex lies and videotape was what I think like five years later, but it's that same sort of thing where it's um, filmmakers that you're watching, you, you end up seeing a lot of like big movies from, but you're seeing the beginning where they kind of just have enough money for a few locations and like yeah. a small cast and like, sometimes uh, maybe one or two shots with like a lot of extras. But then other than that, like they're just kind of, uh, you know, putting it all together with like rubber bands and bubble gum. Um, and yet somehow like they still managed to do make uh, like a really compelling movie with this. And like Frances McDormand, I thought was just phenomenal um, as she is in everything. And then um, I really liked uh, M-N-M, Emmett Walsh as well mm-hmm. as the, uh, the guy that, I, I don't know how to describe him other than to say like he dresses like the man in the yellow hat <laughs> from Curious George. <laughs> like he's just always laughing and always having like a good time, even though he's this like deranged guy. And then just super to the point too. Like I know we always harp on runtime and like cannot complain about the runtime in this at all. Just right to it. Yeah, it's uh it's uh actually let me let me just give you some full disclosure about what's going on in my life right now. This is this is good. The small audience. So I'm about to start a new job, 
uh-huh. and they're doing a background investigation as like that's like a normal step for this and they can't like establish a connection with like the job I'm currently at so I don't know what I put down but it was apparently all wrong so I'm trying Jesus. to I'm like frantically trying to figure out like what the hell they need from me anyway I like I loved how we're gonna get to some trivia I put some trivia in this or else you'd be proud of me but I'm, we're gonna I'm get excited. We're going to get to some trivia just to show, like, how cheap this movie really was. Like, you talked about, like, how, like, there were no extras and stuff like that. And, like, they really had to work to get this movie funded. I, um, I was talking to, uh, when, when I was in school, I was talking to one of my professors. And, and uh, it was, like, a writing the feature screenplay class. Um, and uh, he was talking to me about, like, good low budget noir movies and he was showing me the trailer for this and he was like just talking to me about all the ways that they really like scrimped and saved and I was like god that's amazing I love it (laughs) (laughs) we'll get into the uh, bare bones of the movie here though or the into the meat of the movie I should say Uh, so opens with this somewhat like disorienting driving scene where you see the two um, leads played by John Getz and Francis McDormand driving in the rain. You kind of get the inciting incident, which is that they sleep together. Um, what did you think about this opening scene? Well, it made me think of our guy Soderbergh, because who likes a driving who likes a driving shot more than our boy Steven Soderbergh? <laughs> um, nobody, nobody. It definitely was like a strange opening, and it was well. Actually, you know, the true opening to this movie was some more of our favorite voiceover from the Coen Brothers. I thought I, I forgot to write that down. Uh, good That's voiceover, true. good, uh, you know, good, good, good discussion on how people handle um, their shit in Texas. <laughs> really, really gets you like into the the world immediately. <laughs> yep, that's on me for not putting that in there. I forgot about that until I started talking. You know, it's a little like the opening was like a little unnerving. I didn't know what we were getting into. I really thought it was going to be like a whole different tone. Like I thought it was going to be like some crazy thriller. And it was like a good thriller, but it wasn't it was it was not as like dark as I expected it to be from this opening scene. Yeah, like it a, a lot of it is really just like about that sort of relationship and how they sort of deal with this whole thing and like um yeah, like the M. Emmett Walsh character, like kind of going through these different hoops that he's jumping through in order to not have to do the job that he's, he's paid to do. <laughs> um, yeah, but this like opening scene, I was like, I was like, oh man, I, I don't know. It threw me off at first. And then like we kind of got into that scene where we're in the bar and we meet um, uh, Dan H- Hedaya as. Um, Oh God, uh, Julian. Yeah, um, and and that was when I really started like getting getting into the movie. Yes, I agree with that. I think uh, I think it took a little bit, and that's okay. You know, not every movie needs to grab you the moment you start watching. I think the beginning of the movie too makes more sense. Like later on, like like if I were to watch this a second time, I'd be like, okay, yeah, here's where we see that those two are sleeping together. And then we get the information that like the the husband is called, and, the, and the, like you understand a little bit more. Yeah, I uh, 
it was it was I think my favorite part of the opening scene though was seeing like a young Francis McDormand and just being like, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh my god, she is so young in this movie. <laughs> it's uh we I, we're gonna get to like an, a next scene in a second here, but like it was just like crazy how young she looked. Yeah. And so um we'll move on to the, the next scene after this, but um that is when we see uh M. Emmett Walsh's character speaking with um, Dan Hedaya and they showing him the pictures of the uh, of the two sleeping together. Um, and basically that's where we find out that uh, that this is not gonna go well for the rest of the movie. No. no. <laughs> I, what uh what did you think of this scene? I think this like really helps set like a tone like like really sets the tone for the movie like this is the true tone it's like a seedy texas bar and we have like mm at walsh looks like he spends his mornings in this bar and you got like the grimy owner who looks like he shaves a little off the top on like pays too little to his guys like it looks he just looks like a piece of shit and you see this whole thing where like you don't know like who you're supposed to root for in the scene you kind of hate both of them you both hate the guy who like found that took the pictures but also hate the person who like wanted the pictures it's just like a hateable like wow i hate all these people yeah there's definitely like you could definitely question whether the coen brothers actually like the characters in this movie <laughs> especially <laughs> especially visser and marty like they're both just people where you'd like uh, you're like l- watching them and you're like, Jesus, could you guys get any worse? No, I mean, like, just immediately you're like, Ugh. and then I feel like you figure out a little later that like one of the characters is much worse than the other, but maybe we, just, yeah. maybe we agree. I wonder if we agree and disagree on the same character. I guess when we get there, you'll have to, you'll have to flag it down and, uh, and we'll take a, we'll take a rain check or we'll take a, we'll take a temperature check. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like too how they just sort of set up in the scene the the setting of the bar and like how important of a scene that that's going to be like just seeing not only are you seeing everybody sort of interact there but it adds to the, like the weirdness when you see it all like empty and disheveled after everything's gone down. Yeah, there's like a you know the, like the next scene I, I definitely want to talk about is kind of how like Marty and Ray meet on the back porch, but there's kind of like a maybe like a half scene in between where like you meet like the other bartender Maurice and you kind of like, for some reason they've like, we feel the need to like follow him walking around and changing the music and then like hitting on that girl that literally looked like they put a wig on Francis McDormand. (laughs) And you just, do you like, he, he's like in the story, but like, I never really know like, like what he's doing like i feel like maurice is like consistently in like it like an important part but like i don't actually understand like what his role is yeah maurice like i almost was um and like was scared of maurice like getting hurt or something or like getting caught up in something that like he just didn't understand you know yeah he like kept avoiding it because he was like making a big deal about Ray not coming in, but like he didn't like push it enough to like get himself in someone's face. And then he ended up being in the bar. I'm pretty sure it was him playing the music when Ray was, uh, you know, dragging dragging the body out. 
Oh my god, such an excruciating scene. We'll we'll get there in a second. But yeah, like I, I just like I was just hoping that he wasn't gonna run into M. Emmett Walsh's character at, at any point in this movie. Like, sort of like the sense you get like Tommy Lee Jones with um uh Anton Chigur, where you're just like, please just don't let him meet him in this movie <laughs> yeah you just very quickly learn that like he's not a respected character by the way like the other characters discuss him behind his back so you're just like yeah you know mm at walsh is probably like you know what i'll kill a third i don't need extra yeah it seems like it wouldn't be a big deal to him <laughs> <laughs> so we come from this scene and we go to um ray coming back to the bar they have him and marty have an altercation uh ray quits what did you like about this scene, Wolf? You know, the altercation was pretty... There was I don't think there was a lot in the altercation that really caught my eye outside of, like, you kind of, like, like, Marty really talked poorly of, of Abby, the Frances McDormand character, being like, she's just, she's absolutely just gonna pretend like this didn't happen when, like, it yeah. comes down to it. And the other thing I loved about it is they spent a lot of time, like, focusing on the incinerator. And mm. you just like for me, I was like, this is going to become a really big part of the story, and it it didn't as much as it probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I thought that was an interesting red herring because I was just waiting for it to come right back, especially later on uh, when when Ray is back in the bar and discovers what's happened. But I thought that like it was at least a good job of setting up that deception for you for your, where you're like, oh, he's going to go to the incinerator and then, and then he doesn't. Or like, oh, this time he's going to go to the incinerator and he doesn't. I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, he, he ultimately throws like the towel that he cleaned with in there. And I'm like, bro, just get the body in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> and then, so from there... Uh, Marty tries to kidnap Abby. We have that that great scene where she kind of wakes up and she walks in into the living room area and then sees the dog and then he snatches her. Um, I thought it was awesome just watching Marty get kicked in the nuts and throw up. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, Abby, Abby was like a real, like she really fought back and that dog and it was just like a, it was like a good scene for me to understand like, oh, like Marty's like really really a bad guy like this really wasn't yeah. a good relationship that was going on here and it also yeah. i think ray and abby had been together because i i feel like they've been together for like two minutes yeah that's what i was trying to discern as i was like are they has this been like an affair that has been ongoing or is this like the first time that they've been together i couldn't tell i and that scene right there i was like maybe like a couple weeks but then there's like later scenes where i'm like oh i don't think they've been together like ever besides like one yeah. night in a motel it definitely feels like that like more, more later on you know like initially because there's sort of like ebbs and flows in their relationship i feel like and <laughs> yeah they don't yes. do they don't do a lot enough talking to like seem uh, super familiar with each other at times no they don't they they barely like I'm pretty sure they don't like each other at all, and like near the end, by the time the movie's over, I feel like Ray's just like, "Yo, Abby, just like go get out." <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to stay; just leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, okay. And so uh, after that, uh, Visser gets hired, um, and you and you um, you have here that he's a real piece of shit, but that he's also the future Coen Brothers uh, like archetype. What makes you uh, think that? I just feel like the Coen Brothers enjoy these like scum of the earth characters who just really want money, and they're just like, I will do anything for like that next paycheck. I feel like. He's a pretty like horrible example of it. We're like like he's like a horrible person. That's like he's like the lowest of it. Then you got people like Jeff. Uh, no, not Jeff. Bridges, Josh Brolin in No Country for <laughs> Old Men is kind of like a slightly like more moral character, but he's still like just in it for the money. And then I feel like you get at the top of that list for me is like Lewin Davis and inside Lewin Davis, you're like this man literally just needs a paycheck to like survive, yeah. and he doesn't care what he's doing, but he does kind of care what he's doing. He doesn't want to be careerist. <laughs> he was so annoying. I love that movie, though. Yeah, I mean, his annoyingness is definitely part of it. Yeah, no, Visser, though, is definitely, like, the beginning of a lot of characters that are just, like, you're watching them do things, you don't necessarily understand what or why they're doing it, and then at the end, you just kind of have, like, after looking at everything all together, you just have this, like, just, like, wow, what a fucking warped like worldview this this character has yes, you know i agree so um you know from there we have the whole thing where viscer breaks in he takes the photos of of um uh ray and abby sleeping together he he doctors them to look like they have been shot he gives them to marty marty gives him the ten thousand dollars that they've arranged for viscer shoots him dead I've got a I've got a quick question going into this scene. So, did you understand initially why Visser took the gun from from um, Abby once when he was like in their house? So, I had just watched Fletch, where <laughs> Fletch is basically hired. And he's supposed to, like, take the gun in the house to then, like, kill the guy. That's not a spoiler. That's, like, the whole gist of the movie. And so I was like, oh, he must be told to, like, take the gun from in the house to kill the people. So my thought was, like, this is all part of the plan. There's nothing weird here. Yeah. Oh, see, that I, I was like, oh, he's going to take her gun and then kill her with her gun. And then he didn't. And I was like, oh, what's he doing? And then... When you find out in this scene that we just mentioned that he kind of like plants it on the scene with Marty, you're like, oh, okay. So he's probably trying to like place her at the scene as opposed to like him being the one that shot Marty. And I was like, oh, all right. Now it makes sense to me. I was like pretty much comfortable believing they were dead up until Ray walked into the bar because I was like, you yeah. know, it's a low budget movie. Maybe they don't want like to have to pay for all that blood and gore. Like, maybe they just want, maybe they don't want that in this movie. But, like, as the scene was going on, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're not dead. But that was good. And I don't, I didn't fully catch that the first time I watched it. But I feel like if I ever watch this again, which I don't know where this movie stands on rewatchability, um, I think it's there, but it's not like, it's not like some of their other movies in terms of rewatchability. I'm not necessarily like slapping this on in the Saturday night, like, gotta, gotta flip on Blood Simple. Like, hey, guys. Blood simple, it's on. You 
You're not down? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, me and my friends are coming over. We're ordering two pizzas. We're buying some beers, and we are tossing on Blood Simple. Oh, is every other Coen Brothers movie taken? Like, even in Tolliver Cruelty, <laughs> I feel like at least that's funny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that this is definitely one of their more like straight laced movies, mm-hmm. or like straightforward, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I missed a lot of that, but like, I think it's like. I think once I picked up on it, I was like, whoa, like, that's really good. Like, he definitely, he's not a killer who, like, necessarily knows what he's doing, but, like, he, he pretends to. Yeah, he, he certainly knows more than, like, the average Joe, I feel like, mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah, that definitely, like, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me until I was thinking about the movie, like, afterwards. And I was like, oh, yes, okay, that's why. All right, I understand now. Agreed. The scene made you feel bad for Marty, though? I did. Like, it's almost like he didn't really want them killed. It was more of just, like, a moment of, like, passion. And then uh-huh. when he finds out they're dead, he's, like, puking. He's, like, sick. He's, like, get out of my sight. Like, this this cannot be a thing. And then he gets shot. So, I guess, uh, good ending for our, our pal Marty. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Marty. Get shot. I mean, spoiler alert. But, like, then to not die after getting shot, oh, man, that's, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how he wasn't dead. I, that, I feel like that happens a lot where, like, the person in, like, movies, I think that happened in Reservoir Dogs, where, like, someone gets shot, and then they're, like, not moving, but they're, like, oh, they're alive. It's, like, really? Like, they're just pouring <laughs> out blood. They cannot be alive. Yeah. What did they say in Reservoir Dogs? Like the stomach is the number one place where you can get shot and bleed and bleed and, and not die or something he's like got that. Two days <laughs> like this, or he, but he'll die. I don't remember the line. Tim Roth, baby. <laughs> Tim Roth laying on the ground. Good, good. Performance. Larry, Larry, I'm gonna die. I know it. <laughs> Take me to the hospital. <laughs> Take me to a fucking hospital. <laughs> <laughs> this scene, I think, is really where like your view of, of Marty and Visser like switches. Yeah. For Visser to like, just get the $10,000, I guess somewhat honestly, and then to just kill him in cold blood anyway. I was like, whoa, what is going on? I, uh, I think that was really the moment where like Visser like was a much more of a character than I thought he was. Like, I kind of thought he was just like Marty's like guy that he can kind of make him do whatever he wants for the right price. But then suddenly it's like, no, Visser has like his own thoughts too. Yeah. Like it, cause before this too, like the way he's portrayed, he's mostly just kind of like giggling and laughing a lot. Yeah. And then this was finally when you're like, Oh, he was able to kill these people because he's like a psychopath. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> and then, and then, like going to the safe, trying to bust in the safe, it not working. Um, yeah, like, and then just him, like, constantly coming back to the bar to try and get get back into that safe. Just fascinating to watch from Visser. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> really, really bad. So guy. then, as you mentioned before, we see Ray come back in uh, after Visser has fled the scene. Notably, leaves his uh, his. Uh, um, lighter at the scene, the crime. Ray stumbles on the gun. It fires. Um, and he finds Marty dead. He decides to go and bury Marty. And probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie uh, was the whole sequence of him burying Marty. Um, just like, oh my God, so, so well done. 
uh, I'm, was I was questioning why why Ray did not just throw him in the incinerator right then and there, but <laughs> just mesmerizing to watch. Yeah, it's very good. John Getz in that scene, I thought like he uh, he kind of like was the precursor. I feel like for roles like in uh in like Burn After Reading, where you have like normal people trying to do like awful things, and even Fargo with like William H Macy, like. It's like this normal guy who like stumbles into this awful situation. I was really happy that Maurice didn't stumble into the room because I feel like Ray would have been so scared and just like examining the gun and just shot him. Yeah, I could have definitely seen that happening. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that like Ray sees her gun and like immediately jumps to a conclusion and like then goes to like all this trouble to like get him in the car like doesn't like but he doesn't like check anything he's not like oh i wonder if he's got a gun oh i wonder if he's even dead yeah yeah he's just like i need to clean this up as quick as possible (laughs) um and i really enjoyed like how once he like buried it he then like calls on that payphone that he calls out like she would like basically tell her like how much he like loves her and like cares about her and like I, there's just a lot going on in that scene but then i just like how i feel like everything in that scene could have been figured out easier if like he basically just like had a cell phone it was like hey abby like did you kill this guy and if the answer was like no he could have been like okay like, like let me just like let me just like take your gun pretend it's not here and then call 911 <laughs> yeah exactly that's an easy call to the police now in in 2020 uh <laughs> it's also texas yeah. i guess that was the that's whole point. true that's true i there's there's two little moments too as he's trying to take marty uh, to as he's trying to take marty to his eventual burial that i thought were really great and one was when he's kind of like sitting in the car and he just kind of gets that feeling that marty is still alive and he breaks out of the car and he runs one way and then you come he comes back and he sees that marty is not in the back seat mm-hmm. he's kind of crawling I thought that was amazingly well done. And then I also liked the, the scene where he has him in the hole and Marty's got the gun up at him and he just kind of keeps pulling and pulling the trigger. And um, you just see him like slowly reach out and just grab the gun. I was like mentally counting like, oh man, he's he's pulled the trigger three times now. There's there's three out of six bullets in there. Like, <laughs> like you better grab that so much quicker. Uh, I was wondering about that. I was like, how many bullets are in this gun? Like, when did he use all of them? Okay. Oh. Yeah, because yep. when Visser, like, opens it up, you see that it's a, it's only half full. And I was like, oh, man, you better you better hurry, Ray. You better hurry. Yep. I love that. <laughs> I, I think that, like, gets me to one of the things that I like best about this movie, which it's less so, like, I don't think like the plot is necessarily like the most interesting, you know, like it feels pretty standard for like a noir, like people are cheating. The husband gets jealous, hires somebody to kill them. But like certain moments are just really well executed and like almost like horror in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, that, that, that um, scene where Ray like just stops the car and decides to run for a second because he just like feels Marty being alive like if I think that just goes to show like how talented the Coen brothers were even at this moment that like they could find a moment like that in in that scene and make it work so well I thought was really awesome to watch 
it was impressive to see like the Coen brothers like young making this move, and they already yeah. have so much like they always have already have so much style that you know if you've seen like ten of their other movies and you come back to this one, it's not the same because I feel like they kind of like got more comfortable as their careers mm-hmm. went on. But this is just like there's just little things here and there that's like makes it great. Yeah, like those moments where you see their style come through, it really like elevates elevates the movie and you're like, ah yes, that's the that's why they ended up being so good. Mm-hmm. I agree. So um after that we see Ray, as you said, call call Abby. Then he shows up at her apartment. Things are just not going right. Things are not just going normal. Um and <laughs> you get sort of like the the classic scene of of them just not communicating well no. at all did this drive you nuts <laughs> i don't like scenes like that i feel like i complained about that before it's just like it's not like their house is being bugged or people are watching them or anyone knows anything like he could literally just be like hey did you like kill marty because he's dead and i just yeah. buried him <laughs> so yeah like it felt like an easy like hey did this happen yeah it's, <laughs> just tell me uh, it's not hard to do, but uh, it was it was a frustrating scene. I think like this is kind of the point of the movie where I start to not like. I was really into it and was really liking it. It was probably right around here where I was kind of like, ah, like this movie. I don't know if this was the right step for the movie. Like it's really slowing down right here. But that I don't know. Mm-hmm. That might not be a popular take. That's just like I don't love. Like, I feel like they were trying to think of more things to do. And I think this is a good way to go with it, but I, I just think the interaction should have been a little more like, to the point. Yeah, the like interaction between the two of them was less interesting to me, and more, it was more interesting for me to watch like Ray, because he's so he's so calm and collected. Like when he's dropping Marty off into that hole, and 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 so like this is I feel like is the scene where you're like he is not like Visser he's like unraveled by this like violence that he didn't even inflict on Marty. And like, I think that was more interesting to me than seeing them like bicker with each other, you know? Yeah. Like he's just like, he's just like a typical guy. He like, he he really likes this girl and you know, something came from it and suddenly it's like, ah, like now I'm the, like the husband, is dead and like I'm probably like she probably did it and like I have to protect her because like I'm the reason why this is happening like there's just a lot going on in this scene and he like doesn't know what to do and I don't know if he makes the right choice or does a very good job with the choice he decides to make but it was funny nonetheless yeah that's true it, it is almost him just like coming to terms of like uh like did I make the right choice to like decide to be with this person (laughs) yeah i i think that's like a like an underrated part of what's going on here like i guess like i kind of stopped worrying about that at a certain point i was just kind of like you know they're in it now like she's like dead i mean like i mean like her husband's like dead and she might have done it like now i'm like in yeah but like the whole time he doesn't realize that like he could just be out like he could just be like i'm good (laughs) i'm out like you guys like (laughs) he tried to kidnap you like this is not my fight. So from here, we go to Abby and Ray visiting the bar. Um, and we see sort of like the, uh, the 
uh, damage that Visser has done to like the safe, trying to get into that safe mm-hmm. to find that photo uh, that he eventually burns. Um, this was your least favorite part of the movie. You want to explain why? I just think it like really, really hit like a halt at this point. I think like Abby goes and like she does her digging around and then she has trouble sleeping. And then like Ray goes and like, you know, Visser's going like throughout this whole time. It's like all these people going back to this like scene of the crime. And it's like, why do they keep going back? Like how much money is really in this like bar? And I know he wants, I'm pretty sure Visser wants those doctored photos back. I assume. Yeah. On top yeah. of any other money he could find in there. And I don't know. I don't know what else they would have done, and I think it was fine. I don't think it really killed the movie. It did not. It definitely didn't kill the movie for me, but it was definitely like a not exactly the path I wanted them to go. These are sort of the beats that you see, like the Coens hitting while they're doing something else in like later movies. Like, kind of makes me think of like um, when Lewin is driving um, to Chicago and then back to New York from Chicago. Mm-hmm. You're seeing all things of him like flat, falling asleep at the wheel and things like that and he's sort of like questioning the decisions he's made but you're seeing that happen also while he's having these strange like weird interactions and this it's kind of just them being like uh, I don't know if I made the right choice yeah I, I like that I, I like that I love like connecting their movies together it's really, it's really easy it's fun <laughs> there is like there is like a lot of thematic similarity between a ton of them I'm just realizing <laughs> They're just like, I guess they just know it works and they know like what their thing is. And it, it, it's just fun. And they must enjoy themselves. It does make sense. You know, they write all their own stuff. Like they're, they're going to be interested in certain themes. So I guess they just write to that. It's just insane that like, it's like even here, you're like, oh, I see them do this in other movies. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is their first one. So it was like, they had to like find their style and, uh, I don't know. I mean, they definitely didn't completely find it here, and I don't think anyone ever finds their full style in their first movie, but this was a great start. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you you get you get enough of it, you know? And and this um, the scene leads into uh, my probably my second favorite part of the movie, and probably the part where you can see their, like, style used in No Country most on display, which is the ending, you yep. know, where we see Ray die where we see Visser come after Abby um, and we see her fight back. My God, what a great ending. It was so good. I, uh, I loved that apartment. You know, I, I can never not like give a quick, I love like those giant windows. It kind of looked like the, when Harry met Sally apartment. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I love how like Ray, at this point had become like such a broken character. Like he like broken like person. He like knew someone was following him. Like he was so paranoid and like rightfully so. Like I love the shot of when like you have Visser's point of view and like when the lights turn off and you don't know any like you don't know what anything's happening. Like you like Ray was totally right to have the lights shut off because they were blind and I love how Francis McDormand's character like still doesn't really know what's going on which yeah. was a little surprising that she still didn't ask anybody any t- tough questions at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, sort of a denial, I think, a little bit. <laughs> I think so, too. I think, yeah, I think so, too. And 
Okay, so you said something to answer my question. So I was wondering, like, why Visser had to kill them. Is it because the lighter? I think so, okay. yeah. Like, they have the lighter, and they've sort of discovered... I think John Getz also had the, the photo that he was trying to get back as well, right? Mm. So I think, I think it, so, it, too. It, yes, he did. Just sort of, like, a tie up all the loose threads sort of thing, you know? Uh, Visser's a great shot. That shot couldn't have been easy to, like blow right through gaps no definitely not just just nailed him, just poor, him. poor john i i felt so bad for him when he died <laughs> i uh, when, i did too when he dies and francis is like scrambling on the floor i was immediately like turn off the light turn off the light and she throws the shoe and breaks it. i was like yes <laughs> like cheering like it was a sporting event <laughs> it was uh i'm happy like she survived more power to yeah her. The, the sense of like sus- suspense that they that they eke out of Visser coming after her too is just so great. It's so vintage Cohen's like going into the her going in the bathroom, seeing the shadow, then seeing him walk in the bathroom, and you're like, where is where is she? You get that great shot of his hand kind of snaking around out the window, yeah. and he gets stabbed. Oh, just brilliant. I got a little confused there because I was trying to figure out like where everyone was with each other and that's when i realized that like the windows were like next to each other so he could have like the windows in one but not the and like but not be seen in the other yeah yeah i was like i I initially too was like did she climb through like the vent or what but i think she just kind of like shimmied outside i think pretty much good (laughs) good you know more power to her good honor and then Visser, like, busting through the wall, I was like, God, that is absolutely terrifying. I would be shitting my pants. If, yes. That was <laughs> that frightening. It was like Roy Batty from, from Blade Runner. Oh, God. <laughs> what are doing that movie? Yeah. All those moments lost like tears in rain. Oh, my God. It's an incredible movie. And then we get her killing Visser through the bathroom door. Just another great shot here, by the way. Like she, she shoots him without even seeing him. Yeah, she just like knows he's walking by and just bang, boom. And then we get to just like demonic laughter from Visser as he lays dying, and uh, boom, end of movie. Uh, I thought this was really great. What did you rate this movie? I gave well, it a four. I gave it a four out of five. I think. Uh... I didn't have any. I, I only. I didn't really have any. Like I had like a little bit of issues with parts of it, but like overall, it's a great movie. Yeah, same. I I, I did. Uh, I gave it a four as well. I just thought it was thought it was really solid, especially for a first feature. Just I can't complain at all. Do you want to hear some quick trivia before we talk about anything else you want to talk about and what next week brings? I, I absolutely would love to hear some trivia. So the movie was very cheap. I think I don't know. I think it only cost like a million and a half dollars. But they raised seven hundred fifty thousand of it by going door to door, and they had like a two minute trailer that they were showing to people to raise the money. And this advice came from the Evil Dead director, uh, Sam Raimi, to do this. Oh, nice! It's probably a great. Great person to borrow low budget like. Uh, movie making advice from. I feel like he's the guy at this point in time. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Film debut of two time Oscar winner. I threw that part in. Francis McDormand. <laughs> um, Long live Francis. Francis is the queen. She's just the best. I need her to make all the women stand up again at the Oscars, as always. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, first Coen Brothers movie. We said that a few times, and so they made the movie, and nobody wanted it. Like they they pitched it to all the big like all the big people. They're like, hey, like, do you want to produce this movie? Do you want to give us money? Do you want to back it? Stuff like that. And they all said no. And finally, they entered it, and it was accepted into the New York Film Festival, and that's when they got, I think, like Circle Productions to back it. It's funny to to hear this because sort of the way um, indie movies get made now is is this sort of way where, okay, fine, nobody wants to fund me, I'll I'll self fund it, I'll defer some payments, and I'll just get it into a really kick ass festival and try and sell it. Yep, that's smart. Kind of a lot of forethought there. Did you? I've got a little. Nope, go, oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Mine, mine is not. Mine is not related to the movie. <laughs> go ahead. I've got, I've got a little IMDb like resume trivia here. Do you know who John Getz is uh, in another popular movie from uh, that that we'll, we will be talking about for the Oscars in a couple of years? No. <laughs> so he plays Mark Zuckerberg's lawyer in The Social Network. Oh wow. Isn't it weird? Like, so next time you watch the the social network, you'll just be like, why did I take his Texas accent at such face value? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like just knowing what he normally talks about, when I heard his Texas accent, I was like, is that the same guy? And then I was like on his IMDb and I was like, that is the same guy. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Just made me laugh when I saw it. That's That's all I have, though. (laughs) <laughs> speaking of next week right but right as this pod began to record i just finished watching the reader um oh you finished it completely i did finish it completely uh where is that another how how, how was it how was it um i gave it a two and a half out of five i uh oh. i didn't love it it was like an adequate film but like i don't i don't know what um, Stephen Daldry puts on the end of his fishing poles, but he catches a lot of Oscar nominations with this shit. Yeah, seriously. He must know somebody. It's like... <laughs> I, it's funny. Um, I was, like, watching it, and there was, like, a certain part. I was like, I don't know, the hours. And I was like, ah, Daldry. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Daldry. Um... <laughs> They're not they're not jumping uh to like three different time periods in this like the uh, like the hours are there. They are. There's there's three distinct time periods. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was not expecting this. Okay. It, uh it doesn't move like as uh as randomly. But uh <laughs> it definitely it has like three distinct ones and uh there's a lot of nudity in the first 45 minutes of this movie. Interesting. It's, okay. It's, uh, um, like Kate Winslet's naked a lot, which I mean, that's no, like Kate Winslet is very okay with that in her movies. And uh, with like true. more power that's too, true. or hell yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> and then um, a little bit of, I'm going to give you a little bit of spoiler here. Um, they kind of, they kind of tease showing the, the main guy naked. And then they finally do. And it's like, whoa, okay. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> Patrick Wilson? Is it Patrick Wilson? No. So oh, R- yeah. Ralph Fiennes plays like the older version, but it's this kid named David Cross who they very weirdly like they casted him in the movie at 15, but they like did all the sexual scenes like right when he turned 18, which is 
kind of jarring. That's a <laughs> that's very confusing. <laughs> oh man, I'm um, I I don't know how much I'm looking forward to this one. Um, and our next, <laughs> I definitely wasn't like this was a movie where like I have like a. I've like forced myself to have a good understanding of like what's nominated in each year and like what I should be looking forward to. And like the readers, like the movie I kept forgetting was even nominated. And I was like, I have to find, I, have to, I was like, I have to watch the reader. Like, I don't want to watch the reader. Yeah. That's sort of like the, all I knew about it prior to this too, was just being like, it's, it's that movie that got like nominated where people were just kind of like Oscars being Oscars, I guess. It got Kate Winslet an award. And I'm going to be excited to talk about with you if uh, she deserves it or not. We'll definitely highlight the the best actress category then. Um, We'll couch it for next week, though, when we cover the entire 2009 Oscars ceremony, except for we're not covering the entire ceremony, just the best picture winners like we always do. (laughs) But that will be next week. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Yep. I don't know what you were watching, nope. but you were listening to this yep. the whole time. Uh, and we will come back to you next week with our regularly scheduled programming. Bye, everybody. Bye.